welcome all those who are on YouTube and, and podcast or all the members of Pilgrim Church. I am Reverend Dr. Gene Archer, pastor of the Pilgrim Church of the Firstborn, and this is the 14th day of November 2021, um, Sunday, our main service. And um, as we go into God's word, we are continuing our series of studies on the teachings of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, our Lord and Savior. And right now I'm doing the real Lord's Prayer part five. And um, in particular, John 17 verses 17 to 19. I will read it again. It was read earlier in the service. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Father, we thank you for your word as we embark on this study. Again, you have called us to study your word. I pray, O oh God, that you will silence all the the distractions of mind and thoughts. And as we enter into your sacred word, into the heart and mind of Jesus as he prays, may we have spiritual eyes to, to see and to spiritual ears to hear what God is saying to us at such a time as this. Forgive me of my sins and help me, O oh God, to have a mind that is dedicated to accurately articulate your word from your heart to your people. May I decrease and you increase in Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is the human Jesus. Jesus is, the very term Jesus expresses authentic humanity. Jesus Christ. And the one who is human, who delivers humanity from the dehuman aspect of humanity to the authentic humanness. The son did not just did not come upon a human but became a human without ceasing to be God. When the word became flesh and so he now operates as the great high priest and a priest goes to God on behalf of people and to people on behalf of God. And so Jesus goes to the father on our behalf and he ministers to us on behalf of the father and yet he is God the son. And so going to the father on our behalf for uh, uh, ministering on our behalf to the father 
the whole content of Jesus's high priestly prayer is that our, of our eternal security is in Christ, is in him. And so any of us who, you know, might, you might say, Pastor Archer, why are you talking about eternal security so much? I did a study some time ago about that, but um, I'm just following what the text is saying. So if you find that it's boring and you know all this stuff already, then you can, you can sign off if you would like. That's fine. I understand that. But the Bible says you must remind the brethren of these things. I'm covering some territory here that is there. And if it's one text that we need to pay attention to is the John 17, the, the prayer of Jesus to the Father on our behalf. I, would, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about this. I want to know, you know, you can't pray for me like this. No one, no one can pray for you like this. No person, no man, all the, all the warriors of prayer, the prayer warriors can't pray like this because we do not know how to pray as we ought to. But Jesus knows how to pray as he, he, he ought to. So here is his prayer. Laid down the absolute sovereign responsibilities of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in this prayer is couched the absolute sovereign loving responsibilities of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Now you can't beat this. Nothing can touch this. If there's anywhere in all of the cosmos you're going to look at to find out we are my security. All the other passages talk about this is that there is a responsibility that God has. God himself gives himself that responsibility. We didn't ask him. In fact, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve fell and he says, I will make enmity between, God himself takes on the responsibility to create enmity between himself and the serpent. And yet it was Adam and Eve who disobeyed and sinned, who messed up. And so it's very important for us to understand that. And so as we lead with John chapter 17, verses 17 to 19, we see that the absolute sovereign loving responsibilities in this prayer for our security as believers is because of the Father, Son, and Spirit, that's their responsibilities. God is responsible for our eternal security. It is impossible for the Lord to lose any of his. We are his. We are not our own. If you can take back ownership, if you can if you're strong enough to take back your, your life from Jesus, then do it. You Try and take back your life from Jesus. God is responsible not only for eternal security, but God is responsible for our joy. And as I dealt with in the past, God is also responsible for our invincibility. 
spiritual invincibility. And we're going to see in this study, God is responsible for our sanctification. Verse 17. That's not my responsibility. That's God's. And whether I want to cooperate or not, it will happen. He will sanctify us. Now, our main concern in life is love that secures. In this prayer, this is Jesus praying before you went to the cross. And what he's praying like this now too, by the way. But this is before he went to the cross. He was praying out of love for our securities. I did a sermon two years ago dealing with specifically with eternal security of the believer. And I itemize eternal security um, from what it does not mean and what it means. I dispel the, the myth of what it does not mean, lest we, we, we know that we're speaking about the same thing. So I, 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 I stated what it does not mean, lest you believe that's what I'm talking about. And I, and I, and I, and I went into the Old Testament teachings of this. I, the, Eternal security according to the Old Testament, eternal security according to Jesus, according to Paul, according to Peter, according to John, through the Spirit of God, all of Scripture. And so I will just mention a few more, few more passages here on that, just to bring us up to where I'm going with this concerning sanctification. Because security is not that we're saved and we can't do anything that we want. You cannot separate security from purity. And so in John 17, verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them truly. Yeah, they are secure. Yes, but guess what? I'm going to make them pure. And so in Psalm 37, verses 23 to 24, it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he falls. No matter how spiritual you are. You can't start, you're going to have some falls. Though he falls. He shall not be utterly cast down. You see this? He shall not. That's a promise. Be utterly cast. You will not come to totally nothing. We see this with Samson. Messed up big time. God blinded everything terrible. Everybody wrote off Samson. God didn't write him off. Moses. Committed murder. Now I'm not saying I have to commit murder. And we have to pay for our, our sins. In the sense of the consequences. But sin shall not have the final say. For, um, we are sin abounded, grace superabounded. And Moses ran for his life. And many of us have been running because we have done some terrible things. Messed up big time and we are in hiding. And at the back of the desert, as I always say, never confuse Obscurity with insignificance. 
He was obscure now, away from the limelight. No audience, no fanfare. But he, he had the burning bush experience. When you give up on yourself, God doesn't give up on you. And we see all through scriptures, you see, the mangled lives of the saints, the sins of the saints and so on. We think that the, how could God, God does not give up on us. Even Jonah with his stubbornness, God said, listen, I'm going to use you still. So you might have made some big errors and wrong decisions in your life. Morally, you name it, sexually, anything at all. You pay the consequences and it besmirches your character maybe for life like a scar. But concerning God, if you're a true believer, you shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. It touched me many times when I, when I imagined Samson blinded and mocking him. And when he was holding against the pillars there in the, in the Colosseum, and they were all mocking and jeering, you'd think that, well, Nobody was with him, but God. God was with him. And he brought, he brought more victory in his, in, his, in his latter days when everything was against him more than anything. So therefore, God would get the glory, not him. When you reach the end of yourself, you're just beginning, God. Shall not be utterly cast on, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And I trust that this sermon today will help somebody, definitely. You might be contemplating suicide. You might be contemplating some, some drastic change in your life direction. Hold it. You didn't give yourself life and you can't take your own life. And remember now, if you decide to give yourself life, to take your own life, then, then, then what you're doing? You, suppose you go on the other side, if you're not a believer, and, and, and it's not what you expected, you can't come back. So make sure that you know what you're doing before you go on the other side. And the only way that keeps you safe from, from, from whatever happens on the other side is if you're if you die in the Lord. Blessed are the, the, the dead who die in the Lord. Revelation 14, 13. So it says here, verse 20, for the Lord loveth, the, loveth justice and forsaketh not his saints. See that? The Lord loveth justice and forsaketh not his saints. Psalm 37, verse 28. They are preserved forever. Old Testament. Proverbs 4 verse 18. But the path of the just is the shining light. That shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So you're getting older, you're falling apart, but guess what? You are getting stronger. The outer man is passing away. The inner man's person is being renewed each day. 
the perfect day. That means the end, the, 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 um, the, the, the end of the age, the glorification of your body. Old Testament, Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2 and 6. You know this quite well. I quote it all the time too. But now thus said the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And as I said, we are the gift of God to the Son. All that the Father hath given unto me shall come. And he who comes, I will know why it's cast out and so on. Then verse 2 of Proverbs 43 says, When thou passest, not the winds, three winds here. When thou pass through the water, I will be with thee. Waters overwhelm me and so on of currents of life, this figuratively speaking, metaphorically speaking. And though you pass through the rivers, or when you pass through the rivers, washing away, just kind of disorienting your life, um, it shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame consume you. That's a promise. Do what you can to your finances, your dis, your relationships, your, your body, everything. This is what God promised. Not if, but when. And it will happen to all of us as we get older. As I said last time, you're going to accumulate more troubles in life. The longer you live, is the more troubles you're going to go through just because you're on this dangerous place called Earth, planet Earth. Then verse, verse, verse 6 says of the same um, Isaiah 43, I will say to the north, give up unto the south, keep not back. Bring my sons and my daughters from afar, from the ends of the earth. There in Isaiah 43, verse 6, you see, it's echoing the passage in John 6, which says, All that the Father hath given unto me shall come. That is why the church has to be on earth here to the end, because the world needs us. That is the whole essence. If you look at the last part of, of the Jesus' prayer, he said that, that the world may know. If we are not here, how are they going to know? If we are raptured before the great tribulation, how are, if we don't go right to the end, how are they going to know? Isaiah 45, verse 17a. But, though, but Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. And we are the Israel of God. Isaiah 51, verse 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look unto the earth beneath. For, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die like in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever. If God saves you, it is forever. If you say God can save you, and then it's not forever, then it's not the biblical salvation we're talking about. That's a mankind of salvation. That is anthropocentric. It's not, it's not theocentric or Christocentric. 
John 5, verse 24, verily, verily, I truly, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, not shall get, but has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. 1 John 3, 14a, we know that we have passed over from the territory of the death into the territory of the life. John 6, verses 37 to 39, I'm just reading here. All those, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of, of, of him who sent me. What is that will? Oh, to go to the cross, yes, but that's a means to an end. The cross is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. Read, read John chapter, read Romans chapter 8, verse 34. You see it right here. It's a means to an end. Much more than the cross is the, the, the resurrection, the ascension, where he ascended with us in himself to be seated in heaven, realms in his heavenly place in Christ Jesus. And so on. And so it says here, um, and this is the will of he who sent me, that I should lose none of all those he has given unto me, but raise them up at the last day. If Jesus loses one, he would have failed to do the will of the Father. No, you might be saying, you mind, but pastor, but, but hold it here. Don't go there. Romans 8, 34 to 39, you can read that when you have time, especially verses 34, 35. 34 says, who then is the one who condemns? No one has the authority to really condemn. Christ Jesus who died is the only one. More than that, more than that, more than the death. Who was raised to life. Is at the right hand of God the Father. And is also making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble that, 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 and so on. In other words, Jesus' intercession is inseparably connected with the responsibility of our separation from the Trinity. In other words, as I said, the unity that we have is because of our participation in the Trinity. Jesus prayed that we might be one, not in a social oneness as such, that's just a manifestation, but that we will truly experience the oneness that we have in the Father, in Jesus, in, in, in the life of the Trinity. And yet we're not God. And I went through that in previous sermons. And, um, and, so, and so Jesus Christ here is emphasizing and emphasizing that Jesus' intercession is inseparably connected with the impossibility of our separation from the Trinity. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. In that day, John 14, verse 20, you shall realize that I'm in my Father, my Father is in me, and I'm in you. And you see this again in, in um, Romans 8, verse 1, Philippians 1, verse 6, you began a good work, we'll keep it going, and so on. Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4, and so our eternal secure salvation is based upon God's or, or the Trinity's responsibility. And we respond to God's responsibility. Our response is now by faith and trust. And so this is based on the loving, eternal, pleasurable 
purpose of the Father. Ephesians 1 verse 9. He made known to us the majesty of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. It, it has been made known to us. We didn't create it. We can't create it. It's being made known to us. This is what things are. Whether you like it or not, I'm making you know this. Then, the prayer of the Son. John 17, we see this here. And the presence or possession of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, verse 13, C. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Not that you're marked with a seal with the Holy Spirit. You're marked in him. So here now we are in Christ. But while in Christ, we are marked with a seal inside of Christ. The promised Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is that seal in Christ in us. Everybody's talking about the mark of the beast. Nobody's talking about the seal of the saints. Revelation 7 verse 4. And so right there you see now the loving, eternal, pleasurable purpose of the Father. The prayer of the Son, John 17, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So you look at the, the purpose of the Father, the pleasurable purpose of the Father, the prayer of the Son, and the presence of the of the Holy Spirit. Those three, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there, that is our security. Much more principle. We see much more principle. How much more? We see that, that, that statement being made in Romans 5, verses 9 to 10. Let me just read here. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be Saved, that means be brought to consummation or salvation be brought to the full end. You can't lose it from God's wrath through him. And so the key here now, the, Paul uses how much more factor. If God did this, how much more can he do this? If God can, if while we were, watch it now. It says now, first 10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him. Through the death of his son. How much more. Having been reconciled. Shall we be saved through his life. In other words. Paul is using the logical. Um, sequence here. With how, how much more factor. In other words. If, 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 if God can convert an enemy. Into a, a friend. Or, or, or be reconciled. How much more that we are reconciled now? We can't be unreconciled. Which is harder? To make a friend a friend or an enemy a friend? If while we were enemies, we were, past tense, reconciled. And the Paul is emphatic. Never forget this, brethren. If anything you remember tonight, today. How much more? Not how much less. How much more? In other words, it's easier now. How much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved through his life. Not more important, but more in scope. More than the death, resurrection, ascension, 
all our means to an end. The end or goal is our eternal security and salvation in the life of the Trinity. This is the purpose of John 17. He's praying for our to arm to show that we are secure, to make us understand the ramifications of our security. Romans 8, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one but Christ. Much more than that. You see there again? As I read earlier, much more than that. I'm emphasizing the much more factor now. Yes, Jesus prays for, he prays us into heaven. 1 John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Because the standard is that we shouldn't sin. So this is not, eternal security is not that, oh, I can't do anything I want. No. I have a whole study on that already. You can't just do what you want. If you try to do what you want to do, God is going to deal with you. If he doesn't deal with you and you do what you want, then you're a bastard. You're never his. But if you belong to his, him, he will hide up discipline you through sickness, health challenges, get worse, and even death. That you might not be condemned with the world. First, first Corinthians chapter 11. And and um and First Corinthians five, five one to five. And so it says here now, um, we have an advocate with the Father. Here Jesus right now is praying. He is advocating Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who intercedes for us. Now in John seventeen, our text, we will now look at another request or command that Jesus makes to the Father our sanctification or our purity. This is the sanctification of the humanity of Jesus. Se verse 17 says, San is sanctification is separation from sin and increasing in godliness, holiness, and righteousness. So at the heart of our security is our purity. To be and behave as God desired and designed. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, the church at Corinth, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified, and look how bad they were. Chapter 3, you see where Paul said, you're carnal Christians. But positionally, they are sanctified, set apart. But functionally, they had to grow into that progressive sanctification. And so it's um, sanctified and apart and functionally set apart. In Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. You see, the sanctified past tense happened to them already. Yes, always a process. And called to be his holy people. They would now grow in that sanctification called progressive sanctification. The three enemies that we have to deal with in this world are these. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the three enemies we have to deal with. The world, the system, the evil system. The flesh or sinful nature, and the devil. Those three. And behind the devil are Satan and demons and everything. And so Jesus prays for this in John 17 here. When he prays that we might be sanctified, he is praying that we will deal now with the flesh. He prays for us about the world. I pray that you take them out of the world. The system of things that they are immersed in. 
He, he prays for us concerning the devil. I pray that you'll keep them from the evil one. And now he prays for the flesh. I pray now that you'll sanctify them. So Jesus in his prayer is dealing with these, all these three enemies that we have. The world, the flesh, and the devil. So when he prays for sanctification, he's praying for the, 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 um, the tangibility of our humanity, if you mean. The propensity and the proclivity that we have to lead into the direction of sin. Paul struggled with this and he beat himself black and blue, not literally, but give himself a black eye, bringing himself under subjection. We are told to take heed unto ourselves and unto the doctrine and continue in them and so on. We were told to flee the very appearance of evil. Young people, if you see you're going into a situation and it's not right and so on, do you don't you, you get out of it, you can see it before it comes. And so Jesus prays for this. In this prayer, we have seen Jesus praying for us concerning the world. He prays for us concerning the devil. And now he prays for us concerning the flesh, John 17. That we will not be victims, but victors over this present flesh. As, all, as I always say, we have already been separated from the penalty of sin. We are, and we will be separated from the presence of sin. And right now, Jesus is praying that we will be separated from the power of sin, John 17. How is this prayer to be fulfilled and by what means? It is through the truth. The revolution of God's word transforming our lives radically. The Bible. This is possible because of us being partakers of the sanctification of Jesus, verse 19. For them I sanctify myself that they too might be truly sanctified. So we're going to look at that in a moment. The written word, yes, but primarily the living word, the son as and in our humanity, and we are in his humanity sanctified to be and to behave as designed by God. Jesus Christ did this in and as one of us. In Luke 2, verse 52, Jesus grew and found favor with God Relationship with God, obedience to God, loving God, and with humankind, loving your neighbor as yourself. So you see this directional thing, fulfilling the law and the prophets, fulfilling the law and the prophets. Hang, love the Lord of God with all your soul, mind, and love thy neighbor as yourself. The first four commandments, the last six commandments, fulfilling Jesus and in two directions, towards God and towards each other and ourselves. We see Jesus Christ doing this here in Luke. Um, 2 verse 52. That is why the Greek word used where it says grew here, it means, and I always say this, pro ekopto. Pro means to, to advance. He's advancing our humanity. And ek means to reshape and beat it from inside out. So it will be from here to what it ought to be. And kopto is where we get our word to chop, to beat, to, to make, to carve something out. And it, it will get our word helicopter or chopper, we call it. And so, um, it, so he's cutting and he did this all throughout his human life, yet he had no sin.
Jesus made our humanity be and behave as God desired and designed. This is seen in Colossians 3 verses 9 and 10. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off past tense, the old self, the anthropos, with his practices and have put on past tense again, um, the new self or with ongoing effects, I should say, um, anthropos, which is being renewed. This is a progressive sanctification now. Being renewed increasingly in knowledge. So knowledge is what informs our sanctification. The mind, the renewing of our minds and so on, which works out in our lives in, in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So we'll, we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, which God says, and this is where Jesus Christ. So we'll be coming more like, so this is part, this is another way of saying that we are partakers of the sanctification of Jesus. We are enabled to do this by the Holy Spirit to be confirmed to um, and to be conformed, I should say, into the image of Christ, the authentic human. This is the truth, the word of God. Second Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, we all with unveiled face, although it's in a plural English, but it's his face we're gathered up in, contemplate the Lord's glory in and through the scriptures are being transformed into the, his image. This is progressive sanctification with ever increasing glory where we are becoming more like Jesus as we are to be, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit, the Lordship of the, the spirit, um, God, the Holy Spirit in us, shaping us. And why this is important, Psalm 119 verse 11 said, thy word have I hidden in my, hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God works against the sin that is in us or the sins that are in us by the Holy Spirit's conviction. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts, the whole of our being now and intents of the heart. Our progressive sanctification is very important because we are sent into the world. According to John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So a progressive sanctification, not for some just a private thing alone, it's growing into the Lord, but it's also for the world's sake. So that our moral light will shine in the moral darkness. The Father sent me, Jesus, the Holy One, into the world. I am sending my holy people into an unholy world. The world needs us, believe it or not. And yet Christians are trying to keep up. We keep up from the worldly system, but we, we love the world and we have to penetrate the world as salt of the earth and light of the world. Even to the end of the world, earth, we're told in the Great Commission, and I'll be with them to the end of the age. What? Yes. And so therefore, this means that the church will go through the Great Tribulation because Jesus will be with us to the end. So if the church is raptured or are caught up, I should say, before the, before the end, then we wouldn't be here to the end. That's a contradiction to what Jesus is saying. The church will go, will not be caught up before the end, but at the end after the great tribulation. 
after the gospel preached to the whole world and so on, it is through them. How can they not hear without the preacher and us sharing? Revelation 7 verse 14, I, I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes white in the blood of the lamb. Come out of present participle passive, meaning um, has appeared already out and increasing to an end point. It has happened already and is already happening in an increasing way. So there's, there's great tribulation going on over the world and will increase more and more and others are dying and are going up to the Lord. So it's not just, it's not just an event, but it's an increasing to a point where it's just the tribulation in the widest sense of the term. Matthew 5 verse 16 said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify you, your father who is in heaven. How can the light shine? It, is, it shines through our sanctification. So sanctification is the means by which our moral light shines in the world. Question. Have you ever heard a sermon on, the, on John 17? Verse 19, it reads, For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified. Have you a better sermon on that? Jesus lived a perfect life as the only, only person in history on the planet, of Earth, planet Earth to do so. So that our humanity is informed by his humanity by imputation his sanctification is imputed to us second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 you see that there and so we are positionally sanctified as i said already first corinthians 1 verse 2 that's is that we possess here i'm going to make a statement now we possess his perfect life. We possess his perfect life. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Never let I live. And yet not I, but Christ who lives in me and through me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and loved me and gave himself for me yet not i but christ it is a christ life the perfect christ that living through me and yet i'm not perfect and so this pro ecopto in luke 2 verse 52 advance increase colossians 3 1 to 9 i went all that renewing our minds and so on and, and I, but, but but verse 11 of colossians chapter 3 i must read it says here here there is no Gentile or group or Greek Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, um, Scythian or barbarian, slave or free. But listen to this now. Listen to this now carefully. But Christ is all. Wait, wait, Pastor. Christ is all. 
No. I, I don't think that computing. Christ is in all. Yes, I understand that. I am in Christ. Yeah, we all of us in Christ. Yeah, but hold it, you know. Christ is all. I checked my New Testament Greek on this. And, and, um, and it says that. It literally says that Christ is all. What is this? What? All what? All those people, everything. We have an identity that is inseparable. You, you change my identity, you have to change Christ's identity. Impossible. And so what is his is mine all along. His joy, his peace, his love, his this, his that. His sanctification, which is true sanctification. Anybody try to sanctify themselves outside of the sanctification of Jesus is not biblical. But all is present tense. Christ is all. We see it again in Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. When Christ who is our life shall appear, we shall appear with him in glory. Again. But pastor, I don't feel so. I, I feel so bad sometimes. How can that be possible? Huh? Let me tell you something. As I always say in, in, in Genesis 26 verse 16, Jacob said, the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Christ is in you. Um, Christ is all. It, in other words, the statement is so strong here, brethren, that 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 to see you is to see Christ. And yet we are not God. And I dealt with this some time ago when 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 um when um the become one and when you talk about here Lord, you know, um Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Here Lord, the, the Lord your God, the Shema is one Lord, and, and the word Elohim used there means three plus more and brought in. And then um, Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, no one knows the father but the son except the son, those who the son and not the son but the father, but except those who the son brought in. And so therefore, this, this is an identity that does, uh, it just does something to you. But pastor, why are you getting so excited? You, you do this all the time. You don't get it, brethren. You might not feel it. Don't go by your feelings. Christ is all. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, if you're a Christian, this is your security. And because of that, this is your sanctification. For their sake, I sanctify myself that they too will be truly sanctified. What is genuine sanctification is Jesus' sanctification. And here it is, Christ is all. Inseparable, irreducible self-identity. And the last part of it says, and is in all. <laughs> These three verses echo. Colossians chapter three, verses nine to 11. Those verses echo John 17, verses 17 to 19. Do you know? Where to find sanctification? Look at Jesus. 
Okay. Perfect love and perfect obedience. How is this possible for us? Well, that was possible for Jesus because he is God, you should say. Oh, yeah. But guess what Jesus did? However, he submitted himself to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so, too, by the Word and the Holy Spirit, we can live the sanctified life. We are in him because he is this truth. We are. We have his love. We have his joy. We have his peace. We have his, um, his security. We have his fellowship. We have his suffering, yes. And we have his sanctification, John 17, 19. Jesus can't lie, says, for their sake I sanctify them myself, that they too will be truly sanctified. Now, if, if, if you can change that, if you, this is, we're not thrown back on ourselves. It's a Christ in us. So everything, every command that God gives you to, to, to love the Lord like God and to love others and to obey, God enables you to do it because Jesus did it. A story I heard some time ago that I have to bring the scene in closing, brethren. Jesus on the cross said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Stephen Acts 6, Acts 7, when he was being stoned today, he said, Lord, lay not this sin to your charge. In death. And I heard a situation recently where this lady was diagnosed with cancer. And the doctors made some boo-boo and they admitted it. And she went before them, witnesses, and say, I forgive you. She's now dead. She had a death sentence because of some error, possibly. Maybe she should have died before. We don't know. But, but it's it just a point I'm making. What gives you, in our world today, we would get up and sue on all kind of stuff. But she forgave. How is it possible? Stephen did that and he did nothing wrong. Why? It's because of the Jesus in the person. It's because of the, 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 the sanctification and the obedience. Jesus said, forgive one another just as God in Christ has forgiven us. And we can forgive each other because we were forgiven by God. We have the ability to do it because it's a Christ living through us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus offered up a perfect love to the Father and perfect obedience to the Father. And so therefore, he's the first one who was truly filled with the Spirit in his humanity. And now because he, he says now that um, you know, the Holy Spirit was with him when Jesus was on earth there. But now Jesus Christ is no longer on earth in the physical sense. That Holy Spirit is in us. This is clarified in Saint First John, um, First John two verse six says, "Whoever claims to live in Him must live as He did." The only means by which the sanctification can take place is by being saturated by God's Word, meditation of the Word of God and the Holy Scriptures. Um, Psalm nineteen, um, Colossians three sixteen. I mean, let the Word of Christ. Rich to dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonition, and, and, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do we see the answer for our Lord's prayer for sanctification in our own lives now? I, 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 
I don't see enough of it in my life and none of us do. And that's why we need to yield to the Holy Spirit. Paul's mindset was this. Colossians 1 verse 28 and 29. He is the one we proclaim. This is my heart throb. He is the one we proclaim. And through our lives, or our lives are like an epistle read by others. This is, they see Jesus. They saw that these people had been with Jesus in Acts. He is our, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. That's why I say that I'm everybody's pastor in this sense. So that, purpose now, we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He's talking about in particular believers here. Fully mature in Christ. Verse 29. To this end, I strenuously contend. I struggle with agony. With all the energy of Christ. That Christ so powerfully works in me. And so therefore he is struggling. So when, when you're struggling with, with you know, just trying to understand this and it's not the smooth sailing. It's because the, 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 um, Ezekiel said that the, the, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon me. You get a compulsion that, you know what, you, what if, what if I preach not the gospel? Paul said, I want to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified among you. And in other words, there is, a, there is a something that takes hold of your soul as a believer. And especially as one who wants to share God's word, that Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29, you, you can, it's echoing the exact thing that you know and experience as a minister. And of course, we are ministers in different ways. To this end, if there's anything else I live far apart from family and other things, my ultimate existence, as long as God gives me breath, is to strenuously contend struggle with agony with all the energy Christ so powerfully works ongoing amen second Corinthians 11 verse 2 for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy for I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, a pure bride to Christ. Paul's mission and my mission and all of us is when we share is to preach the word of God and teach sanctification. And, and you see, God is responsible to, that's why the spirit of God is in us. He has given us the word and everything and, to, and, and, and he has predestined us to be conformed to his son. And so therefore the means that in that happening is because we're in Christ, because of the word and the spirit and all of these other factors, God has taken responsibility to make us be who we ought to be in him. And the church through the ministry, pure virgin. So security and purity are inseparable in the biblical understanding of our security as as, as sins. So if you think that I'm, I'm saying that you're a Christian, you're secure, and you can do anything you want. Here, Jesus prays for our sanctification. Amen. 
Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins of living in contradiction to the truth of being in you. Oh God, may we see ourselves. May we see ourselves before you and examine our own hearts. Your prayers must be answered. May we, oh God, show evidence of this progressive sanctification unto purity, loving God, of total obedience to the Father, to Jesus through the Spirit, and love to each other. Love to the Father and love to each other. You said, Lord, if you love me, you will obey me. And so, Father, you have given us, placed us in this world. Because right in this section, oh God, John 17, 17 to 19, you pray for our sanctification. Then you, 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 you pray that is in the context that you're sending us into the world with the sanctification to shine as light. And then you reassure us that your responsibility is for their sake, for us that you sanctify yourself, although you're sinless, but yet you, um, you, you reshaped our humanity in such a way through the spirit and the word that we now can be truly authentically, uh, authentically sanctified. Help us, oh God, to exude this. Thank you for being such a responsible God. Help us to respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen.